0: Welcome to another episode of the Head of Nations podcast. I'm your host Brian and remotely through great technology that we've developed in the 21st century is your co-host Ben. So Ben, what is new in your nations this week?
1: So I've I'm wrapping up some ceiling things in the uh, home, you know, not home remodeling, just kind of home maintenance. Uh that's that's the big thing. Um and uh, there was something else too, Brian, that uh, that I was thinking about when, um, just, just actually just the other day, I was thinking about it when I was talking to my son. And this is kind of a personal thing that I was kind of convicted with just this past week, was um, I was trying to encourage my son to, um, this is my oldest, I was encouraging him to 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 talk through things and to be patient with the younger ones and and you know he was kind of frustrated because he's older than them and he wants to do his own thing a lot of the time and which I I totally understand he's a couple years older than his than the younger ones but um I, I was just when we when I stopped the conversation I walked away and I just realized for for the past couple of days I had I had given him just a poor model of 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 self control. I was getting frustrated with things. You know, I'm working on the house a lot right now. I was getting frustrated with things. I wasn't being patient, and I was just so as I was as I finished my instruction and my encouragement to him, I was just so convicted. And <laughs> so it's like I'm like, oh man, i yeah, I'm, I'm trying to teach him the right things, and the more he he's he spends time with me and sees me reacting to things i mean i i wish that he was picking up the good things and not the bad things but like he he has just watched me for the past couple of days be incredibly impatient and and i'm just you know was, was convicted about that and so that's you know that's how i'm well that's what's going on in my nation brian
0: that's interesting that you would say that because i've been <laughs> kind of introspective about that myself where i'm an introspective guy I try to look inward frequently and sometimes maybe I do that a little too frequently, but I've been thinking through that as well, where I heard one of my children say something that sounded a whole lot like me. And I was like, hmm, (laughs) maybe I need to self-reflect a little bit and maybe there are some things that I need to model a little better because at the end of the day, I don't want to be a do as I say, not as I do kind of guy. Uh, yeah. That's a horrible model. Yeah. And so how can I expect anyone to model good behavior if I'm not modeling it for them? Yeah. So I've been kind of thinking through that and when I'll catch myself in certain instances, you know, like hit my thumb with the hammer by accident, hit the wrong nail, <laughs> as I say. <laughs> and so like, and like, you know, getting a little grumpy, just like suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's forced
1: me to actually. To, I was just doing some spackling on my ceiling today and it wasn't going my way. I'm just not very good at it. So, uh, You know, I'm like, it forced me to to really think about how I was dealing with that frustration the thing that should have taken me 10 minutes would have taken anybody who, who knew what they were doing less than that. But it took me like 45, <laughs> but it forced me to think, okay, like, don't get mad. Like, I mean, make it light for them to, to see uh-huh. that dad, dad is in, he can control himself. And, and if he can, maybe I can. And so it doesn't help though. When, when my youngest son, who's, he's like a parrot and it it's, he <laughs> does it because he thinks it's funny. He, he just, it's like a new thing for him where he just repeats everything that I say. And so it's, you know, you have that added uh,
0: accountability there. So yeah, you don't even need <laughs> self-reflection. You just to right he back does. at you. <laughs> That's funny. Well, yeah, it sounds like we're working on similar things then. So that's yeah, cool. cool. We can keep ourselves accountable keep each other. That's accountable. right. Why don't we go ahead and hop into the passage of the week? And the passage of the week is Psalm chapter 20. And actually, it's only nine verses. I'm going to read the whole thing. So Psalm chapter 20, it says, For the director of music, a psalm of David. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept all your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. We will shout for joy when you are victorious, and we will lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He answers him from his holy heaven with the saving power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots. And some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. O Lord, save the king, answer us when we call. And that's a, a psalm that I have always loved since I've encountered it. And I think it's a real testimony of not just David's trust in the Lord, which it is, but also a testimony of if we're trusting in the Lord, the confidence that we can have in him. And in his ability to protect us, in his ability to provide for us, and in his ability to help us to stand when others around us are falling. So this is just a really powerful psalm to me, and I wanted to hear your take on it as well.
1: Yeah, I'm just floored with the line, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And I think of how how convicting that bit of scripture is but how encouraging the whole thing is you know when when i'm thinking about what i put my what you know what i what am i looking to for my for my safety or my protection or even my rest where am i finding it and david uh, this great man is I mean, he's finding it in in his in his God and in, in his, his his trusting in Him, and so I think of you know that line: "Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses." I think of of how easily I'm I'm looking to material things when I I ought to just look and look to our Lord, our, who has been faithful and proven Himself faithful over and over again um, through both in Scripture and in the stories of these of these great people and in my own life. And so that's what I was thinking about whenever whenever you're
0: reading that. Yeah. One of the verses I really like in this, just to go off of what you were saying, is verse four where it says, may he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. When we look in scripture at people who were blessed by God, whether it's Daniel or whether it's Joseph or others, the sign of God's blessing on them was that they succeeded wherever they turned. That's a common phrase Hmm. in scripture about men who have the blessing of God is that they succeed wherever they turn. And really, I love the fact that this Psalm reminds us that that success comes through the Lord, right? It's not just the success that I've made for myself, but if I'm trusting in the Lord, he's going to help me succeed. I'm not going to be kicking against the goads as it says in the scriptures, but I'm going to be really having a way made for me to succeed because the Lord is helping me because I trust in him. So that's one of my favorite verses in Mm -hmm. the Psalms. All right. Well, now is a great time to switch gears and get into the topic of the week. And the topic of the week kind of goes hand in hand with this passage. And we're going to be riffing a little bit on what we talked about last week toward the tail end of the episode. And the topic this week is the fear of man. And, As I was thinking about this, and we'd been talking about this a little bit throughout the weeks, and I think it's something we've talked about time to time throughout the years, this concept of fearing man versus fearing God. A lot of what people do in the world today is driven by fear of what others will think of them, whether it's what will they think of me if I don't do X, Y, or Z. Right. Like, I I may not want to do X, Y, or Z. What will they think of me if I don't? Or I want to do X, Y, and Z. What will they think of me if I do this in a positive way? So there's that negative fear of if I do wrong, like, will I be canceled if I say this? Will the woke mob come after me? Will I have people mad at me online? What will my friends think? What will my parents say? Things like that about fearing individuals if I do something that they might deem as wrong or Thinking. Well, what if I do this? Will people love it? Is is my decision making driven by what others think versus the concept, which I think is in Psalm twenty of, what does God think? So I wanted to hear a few of your opening thoughts on this before we kind of dive into the topic a little deeper.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking. uh, I was thinking of something that was going on this week—a video that I was I was watching it was actually of something uh, something else that's go- going on in the political realm with the uh, interviewing the, the our congress interviewing the fbi and uh, you pr- you probably know way more about this and have been, have been way more in tune with this than i have but i just i i was so frustrated and i'm not i really don't try to get frustrated with with politics um I try not to let it get to me that much and change, you know, my mood. But I was just so frustrated whenever I saw someone who was confronted with something that happened. It was literally read to them. And I saw a man just refuse to speak the truth. And I was just like, you know what? Th- this is all. I know it's all it's all posturing. It's all, a sh- you know, basically a show. But I'm kind of like I'm so sick of people just not telling the truth because of their of their fear of man. And if they just told the truth, well, I mean, what a, what kind of country would that be? What effect would that have on on our society? <laughs> I mean, I know that you know, that politics can't really change culture, but if people started to see that people in power were truthful people and didn't care about the consequences of that, like what people thought, but just cared about the truth. I, I do wonder, you know, and then I wonder what, what sort of effect it will be. It will have on, on us that, you know, if we are, if we become a society and a people who care so much about what other people think that we are scared to tell the truth, I've read in, in the Proverbs, Proverbs 29, that that the fear of man is a snare. We'll be trapped by it. We'll be trapped by our lies. And that's kind of a scary place to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also not just lies, but also trapped by cowardice. Where mm. Eventually, if you comply, comply, comply out of cowardice, out of fear of what others will think of you, eventually you back yourself into a corner where you have to keep complying or else you're so far down the road that the only people that are left on your side are the 2% of people that really want you to think that way. And everyone else has already bailed on you. So like, uh, let me put this in perspective. So first, I want to pump the brakes a little bit and say, we just did an episode last week on reputation and somewhat caring about what people think about you So I want to balance this first and say like when we're talking about fear of man, a lot of times what, at least what I'm meaning, Ben, I don't know what you're meaning, but what I'm meaning is sacrificing ethics, morals, or a stance on the truth out of fear of what others will think of you. That's one side of the coin. That's the really dark side of the coin with fear of man is instead of holding to the truth, holding to your morals, holding to your ethics, you bend or break them out of fear of what other people will say or or do. Because sometimes there are physical consequences, which we may get into when we talk about persecution. right? But we're at the point today in 2023 where because of the fear of man, this is really the only reason, people will not define what a woman is. And we've talked about this already on the show a couple of times very briefly. But the whole movie, What is a Woman?, was able to be made because a large portion of our society is too afraid to speak the truth that a man who pretends to be a woman is not a woman, and there aren't multiple definitions of a woman. There's a chromosomal difference between a man and a woman, and there are inherent psychological differences and proclivities between a man and a woman. So we have, we have a Supreme Court justice who would not define woman and said, I'm not a biologist, so I can't define woman. Whereas 10 years ago, even 10 years ago, even five years ago, anyone would have defined a woman very readily. But today, the reason people are afraid to define woman, and so they'll use terms like birthing person to include those who are pretending to be women is out of the fear of what others will think. Well, like what, what will those people on Twitter think if I say that a woman is what we've traditionally known a woman to be for thousands of years? Well, what if the rage mob mob comes after me? What if people come to my house and protest outside of my house, right? It's, it's that fear of man. So they're willing to break and bend the truth because they're concerned about what other people will say or do.
1: Hmm. yeah that's it Brian I mean that's that's exactly what I was thinking of when you when you approached me about talking about this and and you see it yeah you see it in politics very clearly but you feel it almost every, every day when you have a conversation with with someone with someone new you f- you feel that it, as as teachers i f- and when i stand up in front of my class i feel a pressure that i don't think i ever felt before <laughs> and i'm like uh-huh. what happened here what how why is this such a you know it, it's either something that people will you know will kind of like laugh at that is if i if i make an objective state uh, an objective Tr- you know, truth statement about what is a man or what is a woman. It's something that people kind of like, you know, Oh, look, he, he said that thing, or mm-hmm. it's something that people are readily uh, willing to debate and, mm-hmm. and how odd, you know, we sound yeah. like old guys, but.
0: No, I've been there where uh, like, I've been in a couple of conversations where it took me 20 minutes to defend my position on something so simple as, biological sociological and psychological gender differences that have been well established in social science studies that have tried to disprove it they end up proving it right where people have been angry at me for my position and i was able to have a conversation i was going to say fortunately i didn't it's not fortunate necessarily because had they gone away and thought i was a horrible person well oh well right but Fortunately, I guess I was able to have the time and they were willing to listen for me to develop my point. And at the end of the day, they might not have agreed, but they understood where I was coming from. But I couldn't believe it It took me 20 minutes to have the conversation. A woman is a woman and a man is a man or the conversation that there should be morals and ethics around sexuality. Hmm. Yeah. So let me tell you a story really quickly just to get a, a lighter dose of this fear of man. Because it doesn't have to be these major issues. A lot of things that we do revolve around the fear of man. So I was on vacation uh, about a week ago, and I was in the Great Smoky Mountains. It it was great. They were Hmm. great. So (laughs) there was this log across this waterfall that was calling my name. You ever been there? Have you ever looked at something and you're like, I must do this? Well, it was one of those things. So listen, this to me was actually almost a spiritual thing. And I'm not making light of this, but this was one of those moments where I was either going to grow or I was going to let fear rule. And not in the sense of fear, like, oh, it was a thousand feet up and I would die. But fear in the sense of what if I embarrass myself? That was my concern. Because anytime you do something like this, there were people all over the place Like 20 people, you know, uh, 20 yards from me, and there were cars driving by where they could see this log that I was going to be walking across. But to me, it wasn't about like I could care less about them. I didn't want people to see me on the log. I wanted to make it across. Why? Because I knew I could. I knew I was like, I can do this. And I was like, no, what if I fall? And I was like, no, I, I can do this. This will be to me, like, there was something inside of me that was saying, this will be a confidence builder. You tell people do hard things. You tell people take a risk, right? Well, this was a risk for me that was worth taking because I knew I could do it. And what if I didn't try? I mean, do you know people that are afraid of trying because what if they fail? Well, some of the best lessons I've ever learned were through failure. So I'm staring at this log, having this conversation with myself, and I'm like, let's go. All right. So there are people all around there, Jeep tours, cars drive by, like these Jeep tours would stop on this bridge right by this log and just stare just for fun. Like they'd be like, look at this waterfall. Well, here I am. I'm I'm by this log and I'm just going to walk across. Now, once I put my feet on the log, none of that mattered. And it didn't really matter before, but there was that little voice before I started that was like, well, what if you fall? What if you get wet? What if your kids see you fall? Right. Like what if your wife sees you fall? What if you look like a giant? doofus and then everyone's like why did you try this and i would be like well i wanted to (laughs) right so i step out on the log and i get to the point where i can i I know i can't go back anymore i'm a few feet out on this log it's like eight feet above the water it's a waterfall so if i fall and fall and i don't know eight feet maybe onto rocks and water but i'd be okay i'd get a little banged up my ego would be bruised so i i walk out a little bit more i walk out a little bit more And I'm halfway there and I'm like, I just need to go. I need to go for this. (laughs) And I go for it and I made it. All right. I made it. So you're all waiting for me to fall. I didn't fall. I made it. And quite frankly, the reason I made it, I think is, you know, I've worked on balance over the years, but the lesson there for me was I almost, it was an amazing experience. When I got to the other side, I felt amazing. I didn't really care if anyone saw me. It wasn't about anyone seeing me. It was about the fact that I conquered that little voice inside of me is like, what if you fall? But I had to tell myself, what if you make it? And the reward there was growth because I was able to tamp down that fear of everyone else that could have seen me fall and say, what am I going to feel like if I make this? And I made it. Now, if I would have fallen, you know what? At least I tried. I still think I would have felt good either way, but that fear of man nagged at me. And it almost robbed me of a really cool experience because At the end, I made made it. I put my feet down on the rocks at the end. And I was like, I knew I could do it. And I did it. But I would always have wondered. I really think 20 years from now, I'd be like, why didn't I try that? That log would have been calling to me. And you know what? It would have been downstream somewhere. And I never could have tried it again. But the fear of man, it was present there. And it was just a little thing. But it was a character development lesson for me of, don't worry if you fall, you'll get up. It's not like I would have died. You'll get up. You'll be a little wet. It's okay. But at least you would have taken the risk. Do you ever have anything like that where the fear of man had nagged at you and almost kept you from something?
1: Yeah, I th- I think of something less exciting, um, but more, well, I, this is more frequent, but I feel that every time we're out to dinner as a family and I'm, I'm about to, we're about to eat. And the question is, am, am I going to pray and thank God for this meal in front of, you know, in front of everybody, you know, who, who's probably not staring at me, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, but who you feel like is staring at you when you are praying. And I just, I'm, I'm confronted with, with that feeling there. And it al- almost every time it, it never feels normal to me because I know that, many probably are not doing that and when I do that I'm I'm making a statement that mm-hmm. that this is this is reality this is the truth the truth is God is king and he owns all of, all he owns all of it you know all of this and and all of everything I'm about to you know to enjoy is because of him and so why would I not thank him they're not they're blind they don't know that you know um and so it's like that's the reality but Yep. Every time, every time that we're out, I'm I'm confronted with that.
0: Yeah. I, I'm also the same. When we go out to eat, I pray for every meal, but I have, I have to fight that. I yeah. have to fight that feeling. I think I always will because there's something in us that wants to go along with the crowd. And in 2023, odds are the crowd is wrong, mm-hmm. right? So that fear of man in going along with the crowd, I think, We had an episode on being alone versus Mm -hmm. loneliness. Really, I think at its root, this is where I land on the issue of the fear of man. I think the fear of man is a fear of being lonely, right? Not alone. I think because being alone and walking alone, you can do that in confidence. You can't be lonely and be confident. And I think the fear of man boils down to a fear of abandonment by those around us. And, you know, I really think of this powerful example of Christ. So I don't know if you remember, I think it's in John chapter eight. Uh, I'm actually going to flip there while I'm talking. So this is a skill called vamping, where you make sure there's no dead air while you're taking care of something else. And those of us that speak for a living, we know that feeling. So let's see, is it John chapter, it's John chapter six. So Jesus is preaching the truth. He's teaching the truth about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And I want you to think about that for a minute. You're the average Joe and someone's like, you need to consume my body and drink my blood. Now, clearly Jesus is speaking. I believe he's speaking about, first of all, his death on the cross, but also that's the same language as the Lord's Supper. Right? So it's a symbolic thing, which the Lord's Supper we do in remembrance of his crucifixion and resurrection. Right? So he's speaking about this, and everyone leaves him, basically. So everyone is deserting Jesus, and Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, This is verse 67 you do not want to leave me too, do you? And it says, Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. But everyone's leaving Jesus, but Jesus still spoke the truth. And he knew they were going to leave him as he spoke that truth. And you know what? The 12 stuck with him there, but they didn't to the end. Jesus knows. He says in the garden, like, you're all going to leave me. And Peter's like, no, I won't. I would go with you to the death. And Jesus says, no, you're going to deny you even know me. Three times you're going to deny me that three times that you even know me. So we see this where everyone leaves Jesus and he dies alone because he was the truth, right? He was the truth. He is the truth. That's why he died, right? So he died as a sacrifice for our sins, but really the Jews killed him because he spoke the truth and was the truth and everyone abandoned him. So Jesus handled that fear of abandonment by turning to the father in the garden of Gethsemane. He turns to the father and goes to prayer. And this is where he prays to the point, you know, where it says he, we don't really know. Like it it says in the King James, he sweat drops of blood. And in the NIV, it says he sweat drops of sweat as if it were blood falling to the ground, right? Something to that. I'm paraphrasing it, but he's so, I guess the word I am looking for is earnestly. He's so earnestly praying to the father that he's pouring at least sweat because he's clinging to the father because everyone else is abandoning him. And I really think that's why we fear man. And we want to go along sometimes in our hearts with the crowd is because we fear being lonely. But Jesus had the father and we have the father. That's what we came to the conclusion of in the loneliness versus aloneness Episode. And I really think that's the cure for the fear of man. What if everyone leaves me because I say this and it's true? What if I hold my morals and all my friends make fun of me and leave me and I'm isolated? Well, what's the answer? I am his and he is mine, right? I am a child of the king. So to me, that's the cure for the fear of man. Now, does that not mean that we'll struggle with fear of man? Well, I think we will struggle with fear of man. Forever, as long as we're in the flesh, I think in heaven we won't struggle with the fear of man when we have our glorified body and we see him face to face. But I think that cure of, should I pray or shouldn't I pray? Well, whose am I? Do these people, are they going to have my back? No, they're fickle. They're going to abandon me. Jesus will never abandon me. So am I going to pray or not? Am I going to honor him or not? Is this a biblical truth? Yes. Well, am I going to speak it or not? So I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but that's my takeaway on the fear of man is it boils down to being afraid of human friends or human acquaintances abandoning us without recognizing, even if that did happen and everyone left us, that we're never alone.
1: Yeah, I do. I wonder about, because I see that, you know i see that truth and i see it and it actually it actually reminds me of uriah the hittite who is left he's abandoned he's like yes. left out everyone steps back and that is how terrifying would that be you have a, an army in front of you and everybody step pulls back and lets you just hey you know figure it out um and obviously he dies you know and so it's there is <clears throat> there is that and and i i think though cuz that doesn't enter into my mind the the i know i know i think that that's what it could boil down to but i was thinking why i fear that so much and i i, I get embarrassed it's shame it's it's all of you know it's it's all of those emotions that and those feelings that you know it makes me uncomfortable well, why does it make me uncomfortable this room could be full of people who never thought twice about what is real and true and good and beautiful. The, I could be I could be in a room, you know, filled with people who who just have no clue or and maybe who are hungry for truth and goodness and and righteousness. And yet I have no idea. So what is it that keeps me from living in the truth, in the, it, it, the fear of man for me is just it maybe it's just shame it's insecurity i i don't cuz i don't think of loneliness but i do see truth in that for sure but those those aren't the things that are that readily come to mind it's it's immediate embarrassment shame humiliation And maybe it, it eventually will trickle into the you know pulling back, pull everyone pulling back and leaving me uh exposed you know that's what uh, i think cuz i
0: i think that's where it ends for sure mm-hmm. That's why I think we have a sense of shame and a sense of embarrassment is that the the underlying thought is if I don't fix this, they're going to pull back from me and I'll be isolated. Hmm. That's just my thought. So Interesting. Yeah. For me too, the, the base level feeling when I feel that is I don't want to be shamed. I don't want to be embarrassed. And to me... And I'd love to do an episode on shame versus honor at some point. So just make a mental note of that then. But for me, I think that I have a pretty robust sense of honor. And so shame is a terrible thing, but I'm okay bearing shame for the right reason. But sometimes that doesn't enter my mind immediately. The immediate thought is like, yeah, what if people look at me or what if people think this or say this, right? And then I have to put it in check why am I worried about what these people at McDonald's think that I'll never see again? <laughs> right? Like, Really? Why do I care? Why don't I care more about what my heavenly father who sees everything hmm. always thinks?
1: And I think, um I think what can help us here is yes. Being reminded of Christ. Ultimately, that is a thing that will help us here knowing that he experienced shame for me. Why, why would I, Why would I not be willing to bear this little, this little, you know, uncomfortable, you know, 30 seconds before I eat? Like, yeah, why would I not be willing to do that? But then I was thinking of you and I was thinking of, of whenever, whenever we, whenever we train together, you get beat up enough times. I think that, I think that could help, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) I don't know if you can speak to that. Well, yeah, I actually can. And
0: I think that that's one of the things that really like why I went to attack that log and just went for it. I have been wrecked in training. So it really humbles you. There's something humbling. Like I'm not bad at what I do as far as martial arts. I've been doing it for a long time, but there are people that they train six days a week, two hours a day, and they've been doing it for 20 years and they beat the brakes off of me. Mm. And there's something refreshing about getting thrashed where it puts your ego in check. Yes. Like I have an ego and I think it's, I think it's good to have like, what keeps me going and what keeps me accountable is I have a high view of myself and I expect excellence from myself. Now, I think there's a difference between that and arrogance, right? Thinking more of ourselves than we should, but maybe we can do an episode on that, but I have a high view of myself and then I get beat down and I'm like, you know, I'm not as good at jujitsu as I thought I was. Okay. That's okay. I'm going to do better and make a note. I'm going to try to beat that guy in two years. In two years, I want to be better than that guy because he's going to kill me for the next year. And you know what, when you're getting choked or your arm feels like it's going to snap or you're almost unconscious sometimes when you're going like, And then someone says something that's a little hurtful. Oh, no, it definitely gives you a bit of a thicker skin. And you're like, oh, no, those people think it's funny that I'm praying. Well, at least some 300 pound dude isn't trying to snap my neck. You know, (laughs) I can handle it. Right. That's right. (laughs) So I wanted to riff really quickly on the other side of this, because we only have a few minutes left in the episode on the doing things that maybe we should this is we were talking about not doing things that we should really so sins of omission now commission we're doing things we know we shouldn't do because if we don't then maybe people won't like us so i think in today's world that may look like status chasing or using language we know we shouldn't use or making fun of people we know we shouldn't make fun of things like that where we're concerned that if we don't do those things we won't be liked so we commit sins or commit errors so that people will like us because we're afraid if we don't they won't just a side note like when you think of someone really cool think of someone really cool like super cool dude how much do you think they really care about doing things to please other people. Like if you think of someone super duper cool, like the cool guy in school, think back to the cool guy in high school that maybe you looked up to. Did he really care what everybody else thought? Was he doing things just so people would like him? No, he just did whatever he wanted. Everyone's like, that guy's cool because he does what he wants. The cool people that we generally look to are the people that don't do what everyone else is doing. So there is something cool about not following the crowd, whether we feel like it or not. Like People look up to that. And even if it's something boring, like being obedient, like a lot of times we think being obedient is boring. It's being obedient and following what Christ would have us do. Some people think that's boring. A lot of people will look to that and be like, wow, that person is willing to do that. That's really kind of cool. All right, so we're ticking down. We've got like two minutes left. Any final thoughts on this? I see you've got a book.
1: Yeah, I I did I do have a book and it's that it's the family book, the story of the family by G.K. Chesterton, actually by Dale Alquist who put the book together. It's a a bunch of Chesterton's writings. But I was thinking about something he said uh in this chapter which made me think about something that you were saying though. Of course, I'm not going to be able to find it. Uh, that's the frustrating thing, but while you're looking for it, I'm going to have
0: to do, do you remember micro machines? Heck yes. I'm going to have to do the micro machines talk at the very end to get everything in in the last minute and 30. Okay.
1: Well, uh, I don't want to waste too much of our time. So I I did want to, um, maybe I'll get to that some other time, but it was something about actually, it was something about, um, our society being, willing to follow follow the, the popular thing not because it was necessarily good or convincing or authoritative but just because other people were doing it just so they wouldn't be alone but you made me think of 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 something that he was he was he kind of put his finger on um that that we can again i don't want to take up any more time um trying to find it but um, but I did, I liked what you said about, you know, the, the, what makes us, what makes us leaders is doing the thing that we want to do. Um, and I know we're, we're out of time, Brian. So, <laughs>
0: well, that's a great thought. A basic summary is do what God wants you to do. Not what society wants to, you to do. If those two things conflict, well, thank you for listening. If you have comments info at head of nations. If you want to support head of nations.com and as always. We are the head of our nations, so let's go live like it. Until next time.